0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. My name is Ben Wilson, and I'm really excited to welcome my special guest this afternoon, Ernest Barbaric from Victoria. Ernest, welcome to
1: the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's really good to it's really good to see you, and it's really good to have this conversation. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited. I feel like this is one that has been a long time coming. Um, you're a fellow podcaster. And so I've been listening to you. I've had you in my earbuds while I've been walking the dog and stuff like that over the last couple of years. And you've, uh, you know, you've, you've been a friend that I've worked with over the fa- past few years on and off here and there and got great advice from you. And so you've always been sort of on my list of people that I really need to get on the show and have as a guest. So today's been a long time coming. So thanks again. I'm glad this could work out. Now, Part of the timing of why uh, why we're doing this now was that uh, a few weeks ago, I guess, a couple weeks ago, I noticed on social media you posted something about a silence retreat that you went on. So, that is something that really piqued my interest, and when I saw that you had the, that experience, I thought, I've got to get Ernest on this podcast. This is, this is a really great reason to invite him again and uh, and something that I definitely want to hear all about. So, you and I haven't really caught up in a while, so this is going to be very fluid and organic, this conversation, and it's going to be just kind of two friends catching up while also diving into uh, some of your story and your life. So, to give you a bit of background and our listeners on what this show is all about, Six Ways From Sunday is really a podcast that explores real human stories of spirituality, which, of course, all of us have, regardless of what beliefs we have, regardless of what our spiritual practices are. Um, Really, this is just a community of curious hearts and seekers who are open to uh, learning through hearing about other people's stories. So, And I think you have a really interesting one to share. So, uh, Ernest, maybe I'll let you kind of describe for listeners who you are in the sense that, like, I mean... I was just making some notes. You are a marketing consultant. You've been a university instructor, professor who's written marketing courses uh, when you were in Calgary before moving out to the coast. Um, you're now an executive and professional coach. You're a podcaster. You're a dad and a husband. You, I mean, All of us have these different, many different pieces that form our identities. But um, how would you describe who Ernest Barberic is for our listeners?
1: Huh. You know, it's it's funny. I would have had an easier answer a number of years ago, and then it started getting harder and harder. So, for at the very, I guess, tactical level, what I do now is mostly is executive coaching. So I work with leaders and I work with entrepreneurs that are solving some big challenges uh, related to healthcare, education, um, climate change, clean energy. And those kind of things, That's those are the kinds of folks that I find the most resonance with. Um, and like you said, I am a dad. I also, uh, I've let go of a lot of my hobbies and now I do some watercolor painting. And so like, it's interesting, right? Because it's uh, to explain yourself within what you do is a really small small way to describe yourself it allows others to put us into a certain bucket but there's a lot more to each and every one of us than just uh what the current job title happened to be and on that note i've changed mine i've had like i don't even know how many career transitions i started off my first official career was in electronics engineering from that sales from that marketing then starting a company then uh uh, social media, then digital marketing, then strategy, then teaching, then running a conference, then speaking. That like it was just like all of these different things, and it was this process of evolution. And uh, where I'm at right now is I'm very happy with where I am. I'm very happy with who I've become. I'm happy with who I am becoming. And there is, and that was not an easy place to get to.
0: Yeah, that's a really great summary, and I and I so agree with everything you said about how we form our sense of identity, um, there, it's, it's a really common trap, right, to fall into identifying with our work or identifying with different hats that we wear and roles that we have in the world as that's who we are, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's dynamic and it's just, it's, it's so many different things. It's not just your job. Um, in parallel to this crazy, wild uh, trajectory that your career has been mm-hmm. on, you've also been on this spiritual journey, right? And all of us are that we're exploring our spiritual identity and coming to grips with our mortality, coming to grips with loss, coming to grips with, um, our purpose in the world. And one thing I've noticed in so much of your work, and I think more and more and more so over the years is that the work that you do has really become more about purpose and, um, I mean I'm sure that everything has a purpose to it but that a lot of your work is actually around helping others find their purpose or your podcast um you had a podcast called The Art of Meaningful Work and you talked a lot about um and now your new podcast Leaders of Change you talk to world leaders and business owners and entrepreneurs and all kinds of different people all over the place about how they create meaning and purpose in their lives so i'm I'm really curious to explore and kind of unpack some of the stuff that you would have have learned through those many, many conversations and interesting episodes, many of which i've listened to, and then also just how that ties into your own personal purpose and the meaning of of your work
1: mm-hmm. um that's a like you said it's a big question
0: <laughs> like, yeah so maybe i 'll summer. I can summarize that with maybe just asking it in a a cleaner way, and that is, what have you learned about living a meaningful life through your own work and through your podcasts where you've talked to other people about theirs? I don't even know, lots
1: of different things are coming to mind, so I don't even know how I would would answer that succinctly, but let me offer a little bit of uh, background of where that came from, and I'll touch on the spiritual thing that you mentioned earlier, and maybe we can kind of explored that a little bit further. Um, so I'm originally from from a c- country that was called e- Yugoslavia. And uh, ethnically, I'm Croatian, which puts me in a Catholic category. And so I've been exposed to that through my most young life. Um, and then I've lost touch with that. When, I, when we moved to Canada, I didn't realize Christianity was a thing. And then there was like... All kinds of different Christian
0: denominations.
1: Denominations, like for me, it was just like one: you're either Orthodox or Muslim or or Catholic. That's those were kind of the three main ones where where, where I grew up. Um, and I, I've disconnected from that. Fast forward to 2011 or so, uh, we find out that my mom has lung cancer, and. It took about eight months for her to, from the diagnosis until the time that she passed away. So during that time, um, there's been a number of other instances in my life where I've faced injuries and close brushes with death and all that kind of stuff. But um, this particular time of my life when my mom was sick and there was nothing that we could do, um, I've reconnected to that because what I've noticed at that time was... Was that it seems like if you have a belief in something, it gives you something to grab onto when you're going through tough times. And I didn't. So at that time, I was part of a Soto Zen group. So I was practicing Zen. Um, I, was, I had this connection to this Catholic side of, uh, of our family. I guess my background, I should say. Uh, but somewhere in the middle without really clinging on to anything. And what I noticed that it was like at that time, what it felt like, it was like being in the middle of an ocean where, with nothing to hold on to. And I realized at that time, but having some of those kind of beliefs, having a connection to something gives you something to hold on to. Now, whether having something to hold on to is, is good or bad is a whole different discussion. And we can t- we, t- we can touch on that too. So what happened is that after my mom passed away, um, I was in this long, deep period of grief. And I remember one thing that um, that happened later that year was I came across an article by Sir Ray Avery on TechCrunch when he taught, where he talked about you have 30,000 days of life to live in total, and uh, he would prioritize and do different things depending on how many days he had left. And that really resonated with me because even before that, I kind of felt like there was something more... I wanted something more. I was seeking something, and I didn't know what it was. And so after reading that, um, that sparked this idea where I would just talk to people that I thought were doing meaningful work to get an understanding of what it is, how they got to it, so I can selfishly have that that I thought was missing. And that's where the whole thing about exploring meaningful work came from. So I interviewed over 130 different people, everywhere from like small entrepreneurs authors, uh, just people in my life that I thought were uh, doing meaningful work. And so that is what kind of started my journey into this exploration of what meaningful work is and uh, and and how to attain it. Now, it took many, many years of, of doing that and stewing in it and then going through some really rough transitions until I think just actually just very recently, I've come to a place where I feel like I'm now doing The meaningful work, which is what also made the transition from the art of meaningful work the podcast to leaders of change, and so there's there's these different all kinds of these intersecting things that led to the point of where I am now. Um, So and and now uh, you know when you mentioned that silent retreat that I went on, it's called the Vipassana or Vipassana, I guess, uh, silent retreat. It's a course that introduces you to a a very specific style of meditation. Um, It is ten days long. And uh, in it, you are taken through this process of um, the way that it's described, you go deeper and deeper, and deeper and deeper might represent going uh, into your subconscious mind. And so there's a lot of things that, that came out of that process as well. So all that is to say, there's been all of these different intersecting things, I've expanded my range of what I thought spirituality was. Uh, my understanding of it has changed and it continues to evolve.
0: So, and you mentioned that you, you, you were raised within like a religious tradition that, um, it's,
1: it's it, I just want to clarify something. So it's not like we were raised Catholic. It's that if okay. you are a creation, you are Catholic by ethnicity. It's this weird thing back, back there that doesn't have you. I don't even know any other country that would have something similar to it, but that's what you would be the closest tied Got close, it. most closely tied to.
0: Yeah, got it. I, I Thank you for sharing, um, first off, just um, that period of your life that was sort of that crucible moment, it sounds like, where through the grief of losing your mom um, and working through that period of, of time where for months you were sort of adrift and um, and grieving and, and in a darker place, and from there felt the desire to, and the curiosity and the to, to start seeking, right? Um, so it it sounds like you're kind of drawing on some different practices and some different, um, spiritual traditions. Uh, you mentioned Zen earlier and then the the Vipassana and meditation. What, what is, what is your kind of wellness and spiritual practice on the day to day right now look like as a result of all of those influences?
1: So there were a few things that um, I've come to un- understand on a different level through this retreat that have stuck with me. And one of those is that each and every one of us is on our own path and we must walk our own path alone. And um, so again, this is my understanding of it. It might not be resonating for everyone. That's that's how I see it now. And uh, part of the reason for that is because you can't walk somebody else's path. Yeah. Um, you, um, there are certain things that you have to face in order to continue down your own path. There are things that you will have to, uh, go through. There are experiences that you have to go through. So it's, so starting to embrace that was one of the big shifts for me. And then, um, um, specifically with the Vipassana retreat, one of the things that you train your mind to is you train your mind not to react, to remain equanimous, to whatever is whatever your experience is. Specifically it works with sensations, but what I' have found is that in my experience, again, everybody's gonna have a different experience. My sensations were connected to certain things that happened in the past. I thought about the future, worries, anxieties, et cetera, et cetera. I had like five anxiety attacks during ten days, uh, and it was it was one of the most intense. It was the hardest thing I've done
0: wow despite all of the different really things i've
1: done before that and so i was faced with a lot of these things that uh, were waiting under the surface and uh and so that's where um one of those realizations was this like you have to be on this path and then you um in you know, you see this in 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 other places where it's like you reap the seeds that you that you sow meaning that and that's connect that could be connected to karma in different traditions in the sense of uh, if you do, if you take good wholesome action, then those are the kinds of things that you will see grow out of your action. They might not be tomorrow. It might not be a year from now. But this is the this is where you come from. You come from this place of wholesome action and goodwill. And uh, so, so those are just a couple of really quick things that that um, that came up for me right now when you mentioned that. And those are a couple of things that are that are. Um, so it's this idea of you're on your own path. Um, this idea of staying non-reactive to things, and this idea of planting good seeds, as mm-hmm. truths that um, that I've come to realize, and that forms the current, I guess, spiritual understanding for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, do you do you have some sort of daily or weekly or, or semi-regular practices that keep you connected to those truths and keep you connected to? Uh, some of the principles that you've been learning either through this recent retreat and and other things in your life
1: the way that i've um the way that one of the things that I wrote down and we weren't supposed to write anything down like you're like i mean I can tell you about it, like you go there and there's no writing there's no reading there's no talking there's no talking to anyone there's no leaving the boundaries it's like you're compl- you're you're in this you're you're isolated
0: were there a lot of people taking the doing the retreat at the same time as you or was it
1: Depending on the center, you get different different amounts of people. Some centers have, like, hundreds of people. This one, there was 18 of us in total, so nine men and nine women. Um, and uh, so it was great. Small, I'm really glad that it happened the way that it happened. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful for the way that everything worked out. 14 people had to cancel for me to come in. So I was on a waiting list and all kinds of interesting things. Uh, one other thing that I'll mention here, and I think it might be worth mentioning, is that in the process of seeking, I have... I've mentioned a few things here. So in terms of like, there's Buddhism, there's Zen, there's just Catholicism, and there's 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 these kind of things. I've also explored ayahuasca as well uh, because I have read about folks that have um, gone through some of those ceremonies and had these life-changing experiences and realizations. So I've done a ceremony, uh, and 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 uh, for me, nothing happened. Other people that were in the same room with me had these like mind-blowing experiences of love and compassion and righting wrongs and all kinds of different things and I didn't experience any of that Um, and uh, so it was but I was super afraid of it too I was really really afraid to do it Um, and so that's just to say that the journey for me has just been like trying different things in this process of seeking and then now arriving at this place and being I guess um, at a more balanced place with all of it 40 years down the road.
0: Yeah. But it sounds like you're not like, okay, I've arrived and I've just, and now I understand the universe and the meaning of life. And like, but so the fact that you describe it as like being on a path, um, which it, and even within my own paradigm uh, and, and within Christian tradition, there is a lot of that same symbology of being on this path of love or like that, living out your faith as a way of being, not as a destination or a truth to stand on as this fixed thing, but more of that, just a, a path, like you said.
1: Yeah. You know, the the other interesting thing that came out of this too is uh, it happened at this point in time, like after having gone through all of those things, it was now that I experienced it. I think if I experienced it earlier, it wouldn't have had the same impact. Um, one of the funny things is that after 10 days, I came in thinking that you know what? Uh, we're going to do this for 10 days. All of my subconscious stuff is going to clear out. I'm going to do the hard work and I'm done. And uh, what you come to realize through the process is that you've only learned the technique and then the work begins and continues on for the rest of your life. And yeah. so I was like, one of the things they talk about on, on the, and I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that wants to explore it. It is, deno- is it's is non-denominational, meaning that, you know, anybody can go, it has no real connection to anything. Uh, they do talk about Buddha quite a bit, so that's one thing to be aware of. Uh, but the funny thing was, like, after all was said and done, I was like, "Oh, this like I've I've worked through all my stuff. We're done. You know, in two more days, and just get to go home, and I'm and I'm fixed," quote unquote. And uh, what you have come to understand is that that was only the, that was only the very first step of the journey, and mm-hmm. that uh, that then it continues. And so you asked me about practices. Uh, one of the things that is recommended is you do one hour of meditation in the morning, one hour of meditation in the evening every day. And then once a year, you do this 10, 10 day retreat. So when I heard that, I was like, that is impossible. And it because it was so hard for me, I couldn't like it was I wanted to leave on day two. So finally, when so you start on day zero and finally when day 11, which is, you know, 12 days later, you, you get to leave in the morning. I just burned out of there. I was thinking, I'm not going to meditate for a really long time. We did 100 hours of meditation in 10 days. Wow. And, uh, and uh, a few days later, I've come to circle back, and and I, I understood that I can understand the value of non-reaction. I, I can understand the value of what we went through. I can understand the value of the experience. And then I also understood the value of regular practice. And so... Um, now i'm I've started reintegrating that back into my life now, where it's about um fifteen to twenty minutes once or twice a day and uh and then b- building that back up.
0: Got it. and have you would you say that, that you're noticing sustained results and just benefits from continuing that practice, even though it's maybe not the like hours and hours but just reconnecting to coming back to the breath and coming back to um, those uh, principles of non, non-reaction.
1: Right. Um, yes. So this idea of, of non-reaction, of, of staying at allows you to rise above your circumstances, meaning that, uh, and again, this is through the process, and I'm going to paraphrase it here. So there, there are things that we want and things that we do not want. So we create uh, the craving or an aversion to things. And then out of that misery arises or such as the theory of the Vipassana approach of of this particular Buddhist approach. And so the practice is to rise above that. So you can be happy regardless of circumstance. And so um, I'm noticing that I've noticed that, that um, I am different now than what I was then as specifically when I choose to practice regularly. Hmm. And so, for example, if someone cuts you off, you notice it, you don't react. When, uh, you know, our kiddo is six, when she's whining, I notice it, I don't react. So you come from a very different place. And when you do that, your entire experience of the world changes.
0: Yeah, the, the impulse to immediately judge something as being good or bad um is in, incredibly difficult to turn off. And so it you're it's almost like you're having to rewire how your brain works. That's exactly what this is. It's it's at the subconscious level that we immediately have that impulse to react with judgment. So to react with something being and we and it's it's hilarious because we hold it as just truth that something is good or bad and completely forget or maybe don't understand to begin with that Um, that you know reality is objective and we are applying our own meaning and judgment on a continuous basis at that subconscious level so there's there's a lot of different practices and some you know different people find the different ones yes yeah totally there's tons, right there's lots and lots of
1: different approaches yeah this one was really interesting to me because i've specifically what kind of drew me through it's been on my radar for for a while and, uh, what, uh, and I wa- I applied for the one, sorry, I went to go apply for the one that was in Alberta before we moved and then COVID started and then COVID. And then most recently, uh, and I was thinking I wanted to do this for my birthday or on my birthday. And so I applied and I was 14th on the waiting list. And they're like, if you're more than six, you should just quit. And I thought in my mind, no, if it's meant to be, I'll just, I'll be, and sure enough, or 12th from the waiting list, I don't remember anymore, but sure enough, I was I think I was the last one in and, and uh, I it got to go through out. this experience. It was almost like it was meant to be in a way. Um yeah, there there are lots of different there are lots of different ways and journeys to get to this to get to a point of um to get to a point where you feel balanced. and I think out of that comes meaning and and it's this interesting process where you kind of have to go deep and dark in order to work your way out of it. And then to to come from a very different place where that becomes less of an issue. Yeah. And I'm realizing yeah. we're talking like super weird terms here. So if want to make it super practical and tactical, I'm happy to do that as well.
0: No, this is great. I think this is perfect. One, one thing that has popped into my brain a couple of times while you've been sharing Ernest is that I'm really curious um, about your personal beliefs around purpose in the sense that um you know some people believe that before we're even born we there's this like destined path for our life back to the analogy of like being in this journey or on on this on the right path or the wrong path or just on a path and then other people just you know seem to believe that the universe and life is just total chaos and that there is no actual universal plan or purpose or even... You know, especially if you're really like either atheist or just, um, what's the term for uh, when you just believe that there's really no meaning or purpose to life at all. Mm. Uh, I mean, nihilist comes
1: to... Nihilist, yeah. Okay, that's, the word. that's a whole, that's a whole
0: other category. <laughs> totally. Where it's so, like, this is just doom. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious where on that wide spectrum you land, because you've mentioned a few times uh, around, you know, what your personal mission is, what your personal purpose is. Do you think, though, that like at, at yours has it, has been evolving throughout your life? Is it something that you're just kind of creating in the moment and finding finding it and creating purpose? Or is it like, oh, this was my purpose all along, and I finally found the right path? Mm. Like, do you believe that it's something that is kind of predestined or that you're just manifesting it in the moment
1: huh it's a good question i haven't really thought about that much um and having gone through all the experiences that i have gone through uh, and I'm, there's lots of people that have gone through many many more than i have um so i just want to make that clear um, my experience has been it's it's swung in every direction meaning that at one point in time i thought that i was i was meant to do something and i just have to discover what it is other times i thought that. You know, I just have to carve my own path, and uh, and then I think that at this point in time, and like I said, I haven't really thought about this much. At this point in time, um, hmm. it's I would probably most align with, and this might change. I'm just throwing this out as a stream of consciousness. I would probably most align with somewhere with a dance between the two. Meaning that um, you have, you, me, I have to take responsibility for how I show up, who I choose to be, the impact that I make, and in order to have to live in the kind of world that I want to live in. So as long as I'm making a contribution towards that, I am on the path. Uh, When I compromise that, I notice it. And I have yeah. compromised it, and I have noticed it. Um, and then in terms of connection to the universe or God or something else like that, um, I don't particularly have a connection with the word God. Um, I had a connection with the idea of universe. Um and I'm also aware of the, like you mentioned, like sort of the the the, the very scientific atheistic, and I'm not those two aren't necessarily um, overlapping notions that were just these bags of meat that just happened to evolve and uh, now we're here, and you know eventually the sun will explode and then we're gone, or something else will happen. So I'm aware of all of that, and kind of like I said, I'm kind of in this dance of of um, of. I'm I'm taking responsibility for how I am and what I who I be and it's aligned with who I authentically am which took years and years of peeling layers off and now um, it's also connected to this perhaps greater purpose and and um, in that for me specifically that means living in a kind of future that I want to live in
0: yeah I love the way you described that I can really relate to the pendulum swinging both ways. Um, I had a guest on the podcast a couple a few months ago. Uh, His name on social media is the naked pastor. Uh, So David is his first name, but he describes this process of, he calls it deconstruction, where all of the stuff that he'd just been handed down to take as, take for granted or take as truth or take as like, as true as growing up in the church, he really started challenging and exploring and like wrestling with it. And he had to, disassemble piece by piece this scaffolding that he had kind of built his um his paradigm around psychologically and and it was this like really intense process for him spiritually and and mentally and emotionally and I keep coming back to that word too but you're you're uh, a visual of of the pendulum swinging sort of between these disparate uh worldviews I can really relate to I I remember um being, you know, pretty hardcore about not religion, but spirituality and the notion that like there's one God, God, that one God has has a plan for my life and, you know, is all knowing and all powerful and all-loving. And um and then trying to trying to square that with also the realization that there are billions of people on the planet that believe all sorts of different things. And and I couldn't wrap my head around there being one correct truth and everybody else is wrong and they're going to hell. (laughs) So that sort of sent me spiraling in my like late teens and early 20s and through university and studying engineering. I was very, you know, practical and thinking about logic and, and rational, you know, scientific line of thinking that just, it didn't add up. It didn't make sense. And then thinking more about like just this linear path of, evolution of life in the universe and how we're just maybe it is just random chaos that we're that we're here and that we're able to even think about our own existence right the i think therefore i am and if we if we didn't have this highly evolved state of consciousness we wouldn't even be asking these questions and it wouldn't matter we would just be you know like primates running around the jungle and looking for food um and trying to survive but the the human brain Regardless of what you believe, I think the human brain is un—it's—it's it's hard to argue that we are sort of wired to to find answers to these really big questions. Why are we here? Why is there life in the universe? Is there other life in the universe besides us? Uh, what happens after we die? Um, why do we have to die? Like, is there an after? Like, there's all these these or even just thinking about you know, well, what was there before? universe what what's what is outside of the the limit the outside limits of that of that ever expanding stretching universe and things that we're we're just not capable of comprehending but we 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 need to have some kind of answer to it so we have creation stories and and myths and every culture has their own version and we have our our different uh ideology of what these deities uh are and, and how that was play into answering our questions about whether there's going to be food next year. And, you know, we, so we pray for rain to the rain, God, and like right like through time, there's always been these supernatural answers to our giant questions of existing. And so we, we are wired to, to come up with some kind of explanation because otherwise you just kind of go mad.
1: <laughs> you know, what's interesting, you bring up an interesting idea for me. And that was, um, one of the things that attracted me to to Eastern philosophy was, and it reminded me of the thinking that I had at the time. I haven't really thought about it since. Um, this idea, where in while well, most organized religions, in some kind of way, there's this external thing, uh, a god or gods or whatever. There's an external thing that um, that you. F- follow i guess in a way it has teachings and then you 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 externalize your path to it i'm not sure if that that makes sense whereas when i started with the very first book was about Tao that i read and i remember picking up in a used bookstore like i don't even know how many decades ago now and what resonated with me was that it was it was kind of like the opposite it was everything is within and so there was this like what i found is that there was uh, there was one approach that's external, and the other approach which is just very internal. And so um, th- that's, that's one of the things that that was one of the other kind of like dimensions that I've um, explored over the year and over the years, and I've kind of resonated with this idea of, you know, I being responsible for me making good decisions, et cetera, et cetera And not for an external thing, but just because it, this is the right thing to do. This is a way of being that is um, right, I guess
0: for you, right? Like it aligns yeah. authentically with who you hold yourself to be in the world and what you want this future world to look like for yourself, for your loved ones. Yeah.
1: You know, like, uh, and, and, and I'll take it into a business dimension. Um, one of the ways that I've come to start thinking about some of the work that I do, and this started from strategy was around this idea of, we used to make these five-year marketing plans and those kind of things. And then as things have changed and things have accelerated, a five-year plan is no longer really a thing. So you have to completely change the way you think about it. things. So one of the concepts that I used to teach is more of a compass. And so this compass erases the middle ground, meaning that uh, we're not doing three-year or five-year plans. What we're doing is, what's the future that we want to build towards 25 years down the road? And then from that state of mind we take what's the present action that i can take right now in our current reality to take us one tiny step closer to that and then it becomes a compass rather than this uh um map i guess and so i I've, i've become that's that's one of the things that i've become a lot more resonant with and that what and that's what that's the way that i'm understanding it now and so when i talk about this future and to take it into a very real business sense You know, one of the things we think about is, um, so if we imagine a future, does that future looks like, does that future look like a a place where education is accessible to all kids? Does that future look like uh, you can get healthcare access to places that might not have doctors? Does that future look like we have food access to places that might not have food? So with all the climate change that's happening right now, there are challenges to all of those different things. And I'll give you a specific and real example. Uh, so where I live right now in Victoria, great city, I love it here. However, there's a challenge, there's a huge shortage of doctors. So almost very, very few people have a family physician, and it's really hard to get in to see a doctor. So that's a healthcare challenge. So is there a way, if I have this vision of a future where 25 years down the road, I can be feel like I'm well taken care of, so then one step I can take in, in present towards that is to... What are the health tech companies that are working on the solution right now? Is there an AI system that can do some analysis via an iPhone that I can invest in or support? Is there uh, a different way of thinking about the infrastructure of how healthcare is delivered in Victoria or elsewhere or whatever else that we can give people more access? Is there a way to change how you triage so that uh, more people can get better care faster? Like those are the that's the a, a tactical and practical application of that kind of thinking that uh, that then results in different how you make business decisions. And so the same kind of thing you can apply to parenting, to um, education choices, and all of those kind of different things. Like, that's kind of where my mind is at.
0: Yeah, got it. I, um, speaking of parenting, I was going to ask you a few minutes ago, um, with with this practice that you've been embracing and this goal of Noticing and being curious to your surroundings your circumstances uh, that you find yourself in instead of immediately uh, deciding that something is good or bad, but just being curious and just noticing uh, as you're learning this practice would you say that I'm, I'm sure that it's impacting your parenting I'm sure it's impacting your friendships and your family relationships and your marriage do have your have your family members your wife and your daughter noticed? a a change, a shift in you, in the new Ernest that came back all fixed from this. All fixed, right? (laughs) (laughs) So Um, you're good now, right, Ernest? You did your 10 days and... That's it, you're done. You're a whole new new man.
1: Um, They have, and it's a continual practice. One other thing that I've come to kind of think about when you mentioned this idea of goal is that... um, and this is going to get into kind of weird territory as well is that a goal creates an attachment to a goal. If you have a goal, you create an attachment to a goal. If you're attached to a goal, it also creates this very high possibility of misery, whether you achieve it or not. And so it's almost, it's, it's a completely different way of thinking about things where you're talking about being rather than goals. And it's really weird and difficult to understand. And if someone were to tell me the same thing last year, I would be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so it's, I, I think it takes like few levels of, of deep work to get, to begin to understand what the difference is um, between goal, attaching to a goal and being an unattachment to an outcome.
0: Well, you know, the, the famous, well, I think it's pretty famous. I've heard it a few times and seen it in different places, but this, the, the story of the, you know, like the, the wealthy entrepreneur who's in Mexico and he sees the guy fishing you know this story? I do. And uh, okay, so for just for our listeners that really I'll try to summarize it, but he immediately sees like how this local fisherman could scale his operation and eventually have, you know, 20 different people working for him and have all these boats and have created this giant empire like an entrepreneur would, right? Like scaling, 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 always growing and taking things to the next level with business. And then, and so he, he, the guy follows his advice. And at the very end of the story, he says something along the lines of, uh, you know, I've, I've lived a long, um, successful career. Now I'm ready to retire and I'm going to go back. Um, or wh- what do I do now? And the, and the entrepreneur says, well, now you can go just retire and go fishing yeah. <laughs> and just <laughs> coming right full circle back to the life he already had. But it, this idea of, uh, they're always needing to be this target or goal of like, when I, when I get there then i will have arrived when i when i have the big house when i get this car when i have this you know partner when i have this career accomplishment then i'll be happy and it's that attachment that is dangerous and so all many different spiritual practices and traditions um try to teach ways of coping with that and avoiding that pitfall but it is uh it's something that all of us struggle with right like you you, you want the world to be a better place. So by definition, there has to be things to strive for. There has to be goals or there has to be things that we want to accomplish. But how do you, how do you give yourself the uh, purpose and that mission and that drive to want that thing, but at the same time be detached enough from it that your joy or your purpose or your happiness isn't dependent on it unfolding just a certain way?
1: That becomes the practice.
0: It's hard, right?
1: Um, It is. And I also find with practice, it gets easier. Um, And again, if you were, if we were to have this conversation a year ago, I would probably say things very, very differently now. um, And and, um, so there's a, there's a lot of kind of level uh, depths of understanding, I guess, that, that a person can go through to look at things very, very differently. And so I, I feel like, kind of where I'm at right now, whether wherever that is, um, I hold it very differently than I would have a year ago. And a year ago, or even maybe two years ago, I mean, I'll give you a specific example. Like, I mean, one of the things that uh, that got me on on another journey, and I've had a lot of dark moments in my life in 2016, or 2017. Or so I remember, I was in a really, really deep depression. And one of the things that kept uh, digging me in further was, um, a lot of the climate change news, and specifically when I drilled down into a little bit more, uh, sorry, let, let me rephrase a little bit. So it was all of that stuff. I just felt the weight of the world on my shoulders, and I felt like nothing, everything sucks. We're doomed. Like, what's the point? Yeah. And I remember laying there, and I had this cold sweat. I was I was in cold sweat because I just felt so hopeless, and 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 all of those kind of things. And then what happens for me, and sometimes in those moments, is that I first of all I sat there for almost a whole day, um, and I also understand there's people that that have this experience for a really long period of time. But one of the, one of the ideas that I had was like, why don't I just see what's happening with me? Because I feel like crap. This is the worst I've ever felt at that time. And uh, then I so I start. I read hundreds of journals about anxiety and depression and all those kind of different things. There was one thing that really resonated with me. And that was, uh, I don't even remember what article it was, because I was just trying to find an answer. Uh, It said, if you believe that the future is going to be worse in the future than things are today, it's a really strong precursor to deep depression and sometimes suicide. And so it just kind of gave me this perspective that that's how I felt. I didn't think anything was getting any better in any way. Uh, at that time, I think it was just like, there was lots of pressures. There was, I think we had like a bunch of thunderstorms at the time. It was just like all of this stuff was happening. I can see it happening. And I felt like it was just this, it was just crushing me under this weight. And, um, so out of that came this different, this understanding of what my meaningful work was at the time. And that was to do whatever I could to make the world a better place tomorrow than it is today. And then that since 2016 has been one or one form or another has been informing what I do and how I think about things. And so fast forward to today, after having all of these different experiences, um, I the way that I see it is that as long as I'm making a contribution towards that kind of a future, if I'm doing anything in any way that makes the world better tomorrow than it is today then I there's a, there's, there is meaning in what I do and there's meaning in my life. And it could be something like cleaning up the garbage off a beach, picking up uh, garbage from a hike or of a trail that we go on. It could be investing in a company that's doing clean tech, like any positive action. And I feel like with enough people thinking that way, you create a critical mass that creates change. And you don't even need that many people to create a critical mass of change. So that's why I choose to work with the kind of leaders that are working on that kind of doing that kind of work. And so, like it's like all of this different stuff. I realize it's interlaced and in our in our conversation has kind of gone a little bit all over the place. But all of it intersects a different and different uh, intersects and informs different steps and 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 ways of thinking it at uh, along the journey.
0: yeah. what one example of that that I've noticed when i've as I've been following your journey a little bit um, on social media is, I've watched you getting more and more into, uh, some of your artwork, right? Like your watercolor sketches. And you'll have these times where you just decide to like give away a bunch of stuff or you'll have like, um, some like calligraphy pens that you are, uh, going to decide that you, you know, you're not attached to these and you're going to give them away. Or I have this piece of art that i like, anyone who really loves this message me, and I'll just send it to you. I just want to, so you're, I'm, I'm, um, I'm assuming that it does something for your soul to feel like you're giving to the world things that bring joy and or meaning or purpose to others, right? Like through your coaching, obviously, that must be a big part of that too. Um, through your artwork, through your podcasts over the years, like, um, but I'm curious about, uh, about your art and how you've been exploring different, uh, like pastels and, um, Charcoal and watercolor for you is, is, is that, is there something about the, those, um, uh, the art in your life and you and exploring your own abilities as an artist that is just about like calming and grounding and like being, bringing you to to the present moment or what, is, what is that for you? What is, what's the significance of that?
1: There's a couple of things. There's, I mean, there's a few things I want to mention. First of all is, uh, to, be just aware of not using art as a coping mechanism uh there's this place for there's a place for art therapy and that kind of stuff and i'm just aware of like it's not by the way that i look at it's not that by doing art that i get my mind to not focus on all the terrible things that are happening or whatever else (laughs) um so for me art is a kind of a creative expression it's it's a way of um of doing something creative, so I used to have a ton of different hobbies, and since we've had our kiddo, that time has uh, compressed quite a bit. And so, one that I decided to keep is watercolor now, and uh, that was that's also a journey in the sense that I feel like I'm always learning. So I'm reading a ton of books, I'm watching a lot of videos. I just recently led a, a watercolor sketching class for etcher that went live on YouTube, so that was pretty cool. Um, and um, you know, one of the one of the reasons I give I give a lot of these things away is because um, um. There are lots of there's lots of them that I do like, but I also feel like if by being attached to them, I'm just gonna have a stack of papers that are gonna be a fire hazard at some point down the road, right? And so that's another practice of not being attached and, and gifting something to someone that might give someone like a tiny little bit of joy. And and uh, and the the other way to think about it it's almost like there's an artifact of me that I've created that now exists somewhere in the world that somebody hopefully likes. So there's a lot of these different ways that, that I think about it. Um, and watercolor in particular is interesting because it's a, uh, or art in general. Um, I used to draw when I was a kid and then I didn't for very many years. And then my mom, when she retired, she used to paint and she started watching Bob Ross and she started painting in, in oils. And uh, I really like her art and I have some of it in our house. And, uh, and then, a. Uh, at some point in time, I figured that I'll try something. So I started painting in Sumi, which is a traditional Japanese art style. And so I practiced that for a while. I was like, I gave away a ton of those kind of paintings as well. It's a very specific style. And then that eventually got me to exploring this idea of uh, urban sketching and then watercolor. So that's kind of, that's also been a journey. It feels like those, those are kind of like some parallel threads in, in a lot of what I do. There's always journey exploring something new and so on and so forth. There was one other thing that you mentioned um that I think is really important to, 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 to touch on. And you asked me like, what's the, what's the meaningful work? What's the meaningful life? One of the things that has remained consistent across the people that I've interviewed and that has been an unconscious practice of mine is service. Mm. Um, I yeah, find, I've heard,
0: I've heard you talk about that uh, yeah, in a number of conversations on your podcast. That so, is
1: a key element of meaningful work and meaningful life. Um, this idea of, uh, being of service, I I was going to say performing service, but that didn't sound right. Um, it's this idea of serving. Like, I mean, I don't even know how else I would explain it, but it's like, if I, if I paint something and I give it to someone, it's like of service. If I open the door for someone, it's being of service. So if you're staying in that way of being, it changes your action and it changes your behaviors and changes your results. And, um, and that has been consistent across all of the different people that I've interviewed. And uh, that is one of the things that I have, uh, that's always been there for me, but I'm more conscious about it now.
0: Mm, I love that. It's sort of like the antithesis of that is uh, living from a self-centered or selfish place where you, you know, your own joy, your own happiness is the most important thing and then ironically you're so focused on achieving your own happiness, maintaining your own, like getting this or having that that then um, happiness seems to be less and less within your reach and that the... Uh, it sounds backwards but I, I you see it in people who are the happiest and most filled with joy they they are making their life about the people around them and making their life about their community or about uh, being of service
1: that that's exactly it. One of the phrases that I, that I've wrote down a million times is that it's not about me. Yeah. And uh, that's what I have found, uh, uh, across the, 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 the people that I've interviewed, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll have a founder. So some of the interviews that I have currently on, on, on the, on the, um, to be edited, um, Was this person that started this company that that currently pivoted? Long story short, they are now building this um, cotton recycling process and plant that will be helping with um, some of the fashion waste, et cetera, et cetera. And Part of the impetus for that was that he was uh, in the Navy in, um, I can't remember somewhere else, but he saw the impacts of climate change. He saw the impacts of how people were living. He saw some of his friends die in this conflict that they were in. And so uh, it led him to believe, it led him into this place of, of, of service and connecting service to meaning and i think those two are are very very connected in the way that we think about it and interestingly enough it is like you mentioned it's not about the the thought is it's not about me
0: yeah but that um that's also a hard one to let go of just like our our uh, hardwired tendency or habit to immediately label something as being good or bad uh i know in my own psyche there's this tendency to when, you know, to not want to think about the fact that I'm not going to be here one day and that, you know, one day my, even my children and their children are, are going to, their lives are going to, are finite, you know, our lifespans are finite. I don't want to think about it because how can, you know, you just think, you, you, we think that we're so important that it, there's got to be, um, like, you, you, you just can't even come to terms with it being over because your life is so important and then you, if you stop, if you stop and reflect though, that like, you know, why, why would I, as one human being, one little, one organism in this planet, in this grand universe, be so important, like I'm, I'm inconsequential, but then at the same time, like you said earlier, sometimes it just takes one person inspiring others to, you know, live from a better place, or take better actions, that has that ripple effect that that one person can make a massive contribution to the world and to the future. But at the same time, you know, there's those two sides of the coin. Like I, I don't matter, but I can make a difference. I can choose to take responsibility for, for my life and my, my way of being and, and have a big impact.
1: I think that the way that I, the way that I, that lands for me, it's, it's around this idea of contribution. So I feel like my responsibility is to make a contribution out of service while I'm alive. Um, And and so the way that I see it is that, you know, we are alive for 82 years is the North American uh, average. And during that time, you make contributions towards us. So what you do contributes to towards a certain kind of a direction. And the way that I see it is that my role while I am alive is to contribute to a future that's going to be better for my kids. Mm. And even if I didn't have kids for the next generation of, of the species that we have.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? And so, so that's kind of, I I see it as like, I don't want to cog in a wheel might not be the best explanation, but it's like you, you are here, you're going to make a contribution and then you're gone. And that continues. The work continues for possibly forever. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you said earlier that uh, someone you interviewed used the uh, the number. It was thirty, so thirty thousand days, roughly. Is does that work out to like eighty some years? Okay, yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you're able to spend one of those a part, a portion of one of those thirty thousand days talking to me, and and recording this conversation so that other people could could listen to that there would be this this floating artifact of Ernest and ben in the universe yeah forever. we just
1: created something and hopefully it maybe helps someone see something things in it a bit of a different way
0: and i and i hope this is
1: helpful like look i know that you don't have like a specific outcome that you're going after with this but um and i hope that was helpful and an interesting conversation for you and yeah, p- perhaps sure. even an interesting thing to for some folks to explore in the listening end
0: yeah, I just I, I guess what fires me up and makes me want to keep doing this podcast is that like we, this is our fourth season of the show, and I've interviewed like you have interviewed over a hundred people, um, and a lot of those conversations are just really coming from genuine curiosity about the life path and the life experiences and the way of thinking and way of being that another person like yourself has found themselves to, to be in, in this moment in time with the life experiences that they've had in the past, shaping that and their whatever their spiritual um, paradigm and practice might be that maybe is part of that as well. Um, it, I view it sort of as we have these tools that we've either learned from previous generations or from traditions or from cultures that we're part of um, that that try to equip us to live the best life that we can. And so if we can share some of those stories with other people and and share uh, the experiences of, of what's worked for us and what rings true and what has yielded really great fruit in our lives, then that can only do positive things to share those stories with other people.
1: Yeah, and I like that. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an act of service from you.
0: Yeah, well, I hope so of Even if one person
1: listens to it, it's still an act of service. It comes from the right place. So that, like, it's an example of what we talked about, and that's one of the many things that I appreciate about you. Is is that that's where you've always come from.
0: Thanks, Ernest. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um. I when I when you when I saw that you were going to be moving from Alberta out to the West Coast, I was a little bit sad, but mostly jealous. I'm um, sad that I wouldn't, it wouldn't be as easy to, to see you uh, around Calgary as easily anymore, but i um, really happy for you that you've made that move. And it sounds like it's been a really positive change for your family and that you've got a beautiful place there. I, I have family on the coast and love getting out there. Um, any chance I have and hope to in the near future again. So it'd be great to reconnect in person, maybe grab a coffee or a beer or something. Absolutely. Um, But I've loved getting a little bit caught up on some of the purposeful and meaningful work that you're still up to um, through your coaching and through your own spiritual uh, seeking that you're continuing to do and through your podcasts and stuff and to just catch up and share some thoughts on, on life as two fellow human beings.
1: I appreciate it. And you know, I, I, I also appreciate you uh, entertaining some of the, cause we went into some weird territories that I feel like people that aren't, I, I found that if, if I wouldn't be ready for it a number of years ago, I feel like you kind of have to be in a good, in, a, in the right place to, to listen and get what's, what's actually being said. So uh, thanks for entertaining, entertaining that with
0: me. <laughs> well, like I said before, this is, this podcast is really a community of, of, of uh, open minds and curious hearts. So I'm confident that everyone listening to this will share my sentiment that there's nowhere too crazy or wacky to to go with conversation when it's coming from just a place of seeking and um, and just, yeah, openness. So, so yeah, I, lo- I love your Authenticity and vulnerability, and sharing some of your story, Ernest, and I'm I'm really confident that other people will appreciate it too.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. It was really good to catch up.
0: Yeah, and well, thanks for again, thanks for carving out the time. I know you're a busy guy, so um, we'll leave it there, Ernest. And uh, for our listeners, thank you so much for joining uh, joining me and Ernest this last hour. Uh, if you'd like to check out some other episodes of the Six Ways from Sunday podcast, you can find all of those on iTunes or wherever you uh, subscribe to your favorite podcasts. Uh, And you can also check them out on our website, which is at risingspiritministry.com, where we also have a weekly blog and lots of other video content and great stuff to check out. Uh, So it's risingspiritministry.com and Six Ways from Sunday on iTunes. Uh, Thanks again for joining us today. And until next time, take care and be well.